I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kind of Cute. And if you are new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan. I'm your host. And on Kind of Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. Now, if y'all have been along for the ride on this podcast, you know I like to keep it light, fluffy, fun, upbeat. And I don't really think complaining is worth it. But sometimes, guys, like I just have a doozy of a week, and it is so cathartic for me to get it out on this podcast. Now, Let me preface this all by saying that many of the things that I endured this week were self-induced. I thought it was a good idea to make myself a laser appointment for my armpits and, you know, the nether regions on Monday and then a gyno appointment on Wednesday and just when I had all this work shit going on too. And let me tell you, I got to that laser appointment and I was like, yeah, we're not doing the nether region today. Like, I just mentally couldn't handle it. And the thought that I was going to have to have, go to the gyno a few days later and get a speculum up the the hoo-ha and cranked open, it just was not it for me. And I'm not kidding, guys. I get such anxiety over going to the gynecologist. The very first time I went when I was like 17 years old, I fainted and passed out. And ever since then, I literally get... It, they call it a vasovagal reaction. I panic. I and vasovagal just means that you uh, pass out because your blood pressure really drops low uh, quickly, and it has become this mental block now that whenever I have to do something at a doctor that's like remotely scarring, even if I have to go to the dermatologist and just get a little spot removed. I freak out. Leading up to it, it is just so stupid. I have tattoos. I have piercings. I mean, I have a low pain tolerance, but the anxiety that comes with this, it is like a come down once I am done. So anyways, I was just having a pretty bad week. But then let me tell you, I was starting to get some vibes that my vision board was working this year. And a really great, exciting thing might be in the works. Don't want to jinx it. But I just felt like maybe my vision board was really doing its job. And I wanted to give you guys some advice on that. So my vision board, I made the conscious choice to put some things on there that I know for a fact I can make happen. And one of those was a little bottle of Botox. And I don't care if it takes me paying $300 for my 30 units in the forehead. I am going to get that Botox. And that is like one thing I can say I manifested because you know what? Take what you can get. Even if it's something that you know it was in your realm of ability to obtain, put it on there because it gives you this little confidence boost that it's like, well, at least I got one thing done off my vision board. And then on the back of my vision board, I like to write out the actual goals I want to achieve, but write them as if I already have them. So it's, for example, it's, I'm friends with Harry Styles. We are eating at Via Carota tonight. (laughs) Like, it's so stupid. I get it, guys. And again, this is not like a manifestation podcast. I just had to get it out there that this podcast and recording it is really the light in my week. It brings me so much joy. Sometimes it feels a little bit like exercising because you know how like when you're gearing up to go to exercise class, sometimes you don't really feel like it, but then you feel so good afterwards and so fulfilled. This is like that, but so much better. I mean, I get way more out of this than I do from a soul cycle instructor. All right. Again, I just wanted to share that little Botox tip. Just put it on your manifestation board, make an appointment and look you go. 
Guys, the biggest news I feel like that's come out this week in the TV realm is that HBO Max is doing a reboot of Sex and the City. It's going to be a TV series. Uh, Of course, Kim Cattrall is not returning because she was the one who said the third movie wasn't going to happen. She was like, that's not it for me. I'm not I'm not interested I think she was honestly like I'm too old and tired for this like I've worked my whole effing life do I need to now do this so she just checked out and they're just doing the show without her I think it could either be really good or really bad I don't think there's gonna be a middle ground on this I think I'm hoping it's so bad it's good kind of like the second movie that is just one of the most cringe things to exist Uh, But I remain hopeful. I will definitely watch it. I'm sure I will end up talking about it on here. So I just want to make you guys aware of that. If you have, I'm sure everyone's heard already, but you know, still. Uh, A TV show that you might not have heard about yet that we were really enjoying this week, Kenzie and I both, we binged it super quick because there was only like six episodes of Lupin. Uh, And so we didn't, it was like one of those things where we didn't even realize we were on the last episode and the last episode happened and we were like, are you kidding me? It had such a cliffhanger, but it's so good. It's French, so it's subtitled in English. And it's about this guy, Arsan, how do you say his name? Asan. Asan, and he is really obsessed with these books about this thief named Lupin. And he kind of models his life after these books. And it's like a heist vibe. And I love a heist vibe. Money Heist is one of my favorite shows on Netflix. And I recommend it to so many people. And they ultimately, a lot of times, don't end up getting into it. But I'm telling you guys, there is something about a heist. It just hits all those pleasure points that I am looking for when I watch TV. Another little light thing before we get... I have two more light things before we get into something heavy. And then we're going to get into our cut articles. So there's been this picture circulating and it's a screenshot of the Zoom hearing for Mary Kay Olsen's divorce from Olivier Sarkozy. And you guys just have to Google and see this picture because I maybe it's extra funny to me because I spend a lot of my days in Zoom hearings and Zoom depositions. <laughs> and just the thought of being in a hearing with Mary Kate and Olivier and she's like in this little like turtleneck. She looks so prim. Everyone's like, oh, she's serving face, honey. And it's just a surreal moment that I didn't think I would get to when I was watching Full House as a child. So if you haven't seen it yet, I recommend a little Google on that. Remember when I used to give you guys homework all the time? I feel like I've been really slacking on my homework lately. I've just been telling you. I've been spoon feeding you stuff. So go out there. Do your little Google. Like I've said before, you can clear your search history. It doesn't have to remain forever unless the FBI comes or something. You know, then it's a different issue. But just do it. Uh, I was watching AD open house video on YouTube as I am want to do and it was one with binging with Babish so if you haven't heard of binging with Babish he is a super popular YouTuber he has over 8 million followers on YouTube he specializes in like kind of what he blew up over was doing recreations of famous food in movies for example you know that scene in Hook because to me that's such an iconic food scene that it's the one that first comes to mind where they have the imaginary bowls and then it, he imagines and it is filled with frosting and then they have a fight. So Babish like remade that. He, I watched one today where he was remaking something off of Twister, whatever. And it's, I'm giving background on this because I look at him as someone who I wonder if he manifests because he, I would say in the big scheme of things blew up 
very quickly. A lot of the kind of OG YouTube stars that you think of as having a lot of money, they've been around eight plus years. Now, Binging with Babish, he posted his first video in 2016, which was really like four years ago. And he pretty quickly gained a following because he would shoot and it was just from the neck down and it would just show his hands. And he went to Hofstra and he specialized in film studies. So I think he had a really good understanding of how to edit and do film in a way that was engaging to the person watching it. And it was a different style than I think was really present on YouTube at the time. So again, he just blew up. And I mean, now I feel like I see him everywhere. He was on a Bon Appetit. He was on that John Favreau chef show. He, uh, he poached Vinny Cross. I love Vinny Cross from Bon Appetit who used to do all their producing. He like poached him over to his, um, YouTube channel. Now Vinny actually works for Claire Saffitz, who, by the way, also has her own channel, which I recommend checking out because clearly after all the shit that went down at Bon Appetit, a lot of them have gone their separate ways and started their own thing. And monetarily, I'm sure that is great for them. And not being associated with the Bon Appetit shit show is probably great for them. I also have to say, I think it's really fascinating that the three main people who stayed at Bon Appetit were Brad Leone uh, Chris Morocco and Alex Delaney, which um, I'll let you surmise what they all have in common. Um, okay, I'm sorry. I'm getting so sidetracked here. Back to binging with Babish. So just think of it that this guy four years ago posted his first video on YouTube and now he is doing an open house on Architectural Digest in his six-story house in New York. I mean, it, I don't, I don't know if you call it a house. I guess it is a house, right? Even if it's in, you know, New York proper and it's not your traditional house with a picket fence, but the two bottom floors are his recording studios. And then the next four floors are his house. He has a movie room. He has this like great kitchen that's so bright and lovely. And while I didn't love his place as much as I love David Harbour's, guys, I was so shook when he says that he watched David Harbour's Architectural Digest. He mentioned the designer by name, Kyle O'Donnell. So Babish, and I'm sorry, his real name is Andrew Ray, is binging with Babish's real name. He reaches out to Ryan O'Donnell and gets him to design his house for him. I mean, like, again, that just feels like a manifesting moment, you know, and that's what I am aspiring to. I wish I had put that on my friggin' vision board this year. Like Kyle O'Donnell, speaking of him, he is only 31, 32 years old. He's my age. Just like I was shook last week about all Olivia Wilde had done. I mean, are you kidding me? How do people do so much at such a young age? Like all these people who are in Forbes 30 under 30, I'm glad that was never a realistic goal of mine or a goal at all because I would be so devastated (laughs) because I was so far away from reaching that. And you know what? Some of us are late bloomers. I'm telling myself it's fine. Guys, I think I'm rambling right now to delay the inevitable of what I'm about to talk about because it is... I am almost speech. I am speechless about it to, uh, to a certain extent. And you know, my classic technique of sandwiching the things that I find dark in this podcast. So I'm sandwiching this in a between what I just talked about and the next thing is going to be fluffy. We're ending on a little bit of a sad note, but that also has some dark humor in it, I guess you could say. 
Okay, I have to stop stalling. Let's get into it. We have to talk about the Army Hammer DMs. Now, I apologize if I'm a little all over the place on this. I don't have a outline on this written at all. I'm going a little bit off the cuff here. Um, if you haven't heard anything yet, it came out recently that Army Hammer had sent these DMs on Instagram saying that he was 100% a cannibal. And that sort of became the headline that you were seeing everywhere. And I think a lot of people were kind of laughing it off as this this funny thing or like weird thing, but not fully realizing the extent of how freaky deaky this all gets. Now, I'm not one of to usually give trigger warnings on this podcast, but this what I'm about to talk about really is pretty disturbing. If you want to fast forward a little bit and not listen to it, there's trigger warnings about rape, um, abuse and cannibalism. Yes, we're going there. So these texts, these DMs come out and I want to get something out of the way really quickly because they initially came out, I believe, through Dumois and they came from this account called House of Effie. I recommend following her on Instagram. I think she has private, but if you request, she'll accept it. And you can look at all of her highlights and go through all of the screenshots she's posted and really get it from the horse's mouth that way. So she DMs screenshots to Dumois. It kind of blows up from that because obviously Dumois has power. We've talked about it 5,000 times on here. And from that, though, the Army Hammer fans got very up in arms. And one of them faked messages from House of Effie to another person saying that what those previous DMs that she had posted were fake. And this led even quote unquote respected news outlets, I think to kind of not want to report on the story. And obviously this is all a very iffy thing at this point. And I will couch it by saying it's all alleged, but I also want to make it really clear that I 1000% side with the victims on this. And I believe that there is truth in this. This is beyond there being smoke. This is like a grenade. I mean, there's there's too much evidence at this point for him to try to deny it. And I think he probably will just not address it. Uh, it will become a different story if any actual legal claims are brought against him. So that's a little bit of the background. Now, to get into why I say that there's rape warnings on this uh abuse the things that these women are saying happen to them and the content of these direct messages are literally (laughs) mind-blowing so to start on the the lesser side of things and I know that sounds awful that this is the lesser side of things he sent dms about killing a deer and ripping out its heart, and eating the heart while it was still beating, and being proud of that, and his friends not being willing to do it. And this progresses to him saying that he wants to cut women up into little pieces, and then fornicate with those pieces. Uh, He says things like, I guess I should also preface this by saying, I think these maybe started out as what people would refer to as kind of a sub-dom relationship, which is so beyond my vanilla ass. I don't really understand it, but I don't want to shame that. But I do think this these things crossed a line. 
And he would call these girls kittens because I guess that's kind of part of this sub-dom subculture that exists. But again, it just would all take a turn for the worse because he would constantly talk about needing these girls' blood. I need your blood. I crave it. Will you give it to me tomorrow? Don't forget that you're mine. And then the girls would even be like, that's a little intense. One girl, I believe this was House of Effie, said that he choked her with a seatbelt even when she was saying to stop. She had bruises all on her neck. Um, this, this particular DM I found so disgusting because I talked on this podcast a while ago about Don't Fuck With Cats, the documentary, which was one of the most hard to watch things I've ever seen. And I literally couldn't even watch parts of it. And he texts her saying, I finished Don't Fuck With Cats this morning. That shit was disturbing as hell. A documentary on Netflix. It's fucked up. Haha. But the third episode had moments that definitely turned me on. I mean, this made my stomach crawl because there is nothing in that movie that should be turning anyone on. It is depraved. And then he talks about effing her actual brain, like the actual organ that is her brain. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Just just digest that for a moment. I, I mean, he says, I want a brand new tattoo you. Mark, you shave your head and keep your hair with me. Cut a piece of your skin off and make you cook it for me. I mean, I feel like the test can be endless. Whose slave master relationship is the strongest? We'd win. When I tell you to slit your wrist and use the blood as lube for anal. I guess I can't read anymore. Like if you want to read the rest of them, go to House of Effie. I talk about weird shit on this podcast, but that is just so dark, depraved. Uh, I hope he gets help. I hope these women get any sort of help that they inevitably will need after being subjected to that stuff. And I'm telling you, this this runs deeper. I mean, he talks, there's multiple DMs that I don't want to read about raping girls, watching them as they crawl away from him and chasing them. I mean... Again, only go down this black hole if you're really ready. That's my warning to you guys. He's already getting dumped by multiple movies. He was supposed to be starring in a movie with J-Lo, and apparently he's already got the boot on that. Jack Quaid is the fan favorite to replace him, and it's funny because I hadn't really seen Jack Quaid in anything, and he's actually Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid's son, and we're watching The Boys right now, which we're only on episode three, but I'm pretty into it. Guys, I really need more... like hobbies that aren't just watching TV all the time so I can have a little more content to talk about on this podcast. <laughs> but anyways, I I I really hope he goes away. I hope his career is over. <clears throat> I mean, bravo to Elizabeth Chambers for getting out. He's always creeped me out. Ever since he was a little Winklevi, whatever, when he played both of them, he was so creepy in that. And then I just couldn't fully get behind Call Me By Your Name because I was so creeped out by him in that movie and how I felt like his character so takes advantage of Timote's character. Um, And again, I, I don't know if that's like a popular opinion. I found that relationship to be so manipulative and taking control of this power play he had, which actually seems like what he's into in real life. And guys, I have to like on a lighter note in this with the most crazy part of gossip I've heard about Army Hammer. And that is that Elizabeth Jane would go to sex parties in LA and apparently act as Army's dom. So 
reverse roles than what he was playing with his quote unquote kittens. And that's how she also met Scooter Braun. And that's why there was those rumors about her dating Scooter Braun. And apparently she also had a thing with Army Hammer. Again, this is so alleged. Please no one sue me. I, I have no idea if any of this is true. I'm just telling you what I have heard through the interwebs. All right, let's go on to something brighter. We can forget that ever happened. And let's move on to our first cut article of the day. Every Copy Shop Writer Had a Chance by Taylor Roberts. I have a little lead in before we get to this article. So Riz Ahmed quietly got married months ago, apparently. And again, another thing I'm irrationally jealous over, even though I had no chance with him, I'm just kind of crushed about it. I mean, very happy for them, but kind of crushed. So his new wife is novelist Fatima Farheen Mirza. She looks super gorgeous, super smart. She wrote a book called A Place for Us. And I love this tie-in. It's her debut novel. It was published in New York on June 12, 2018. And it was the first book that was published by Sarah Jessica Parker's imprint called SJP. So I was like, oh my God, we're getting a Sex in the City tie-in? Hello? And uh, her book has a 4.2 rating on Goodreads, and I trust Goodreads, so I might have to check that out and just be super jealous the whole time that she's clearly a brilliant novelist and married to Riz Ahmed. So he, um, he said this about him nonchalantly dropping the information that he is married in an interview. He dropped it in Jimmy Fallon interview. He kind of just mentioned it. And he says, it's it's a weird one, isn't it? I guess because we live in a social media age, if you don't like get on the megaphone about stuff, it's like, it's a secret. But I never know how much is oversharing. Like I'm into matcha lattes, but that's just never come up. I'm not a secret matcha latte drinker. <laughs> I just found that analogy so endearing. And I also love a matcha latte which I really think would have, you know, bonded us in that coffee shop meeting. And then it goes on to say that, I mean, I already spoiled this, that they had a coffee shop meeting, but it says that their meet cute took place at a coffee shop because he told uh, Jimmy Fallon that they both sat down at the same table in a cafe while he was in New York to film The Sound of Metal. And they were, he says, we were both jostling over the same laptop plug points, like a very modern way of meeting, he says. But, you know, I want to know more about this. Like, who asked who on a date? How did, you know, trying to use the same plug progress into this? I mean, I don't work at coffee shops, but I envision being there like in a hoodie with my ear pods in and acting like I'm really important as I scroll through, you know, the cut. So I just want to know how it progressed into them getting married. I What was that first conversation like? How do I bag a celebrity. Th- this is the book that needs to be written, honey. <laughs> I mean, I'll read your novels too, but get, like a little dating to do would be great. All right. Next article. Terrible woman reaffirms that she's terrible by Sanjita Singh Kurtz. Uh, okay. So to give you the background on this story, I'll read you Sanjita's lead in. It says, Mia Fonsetto, the 22-year-old woman who charged at a black teenager and threw him to the ground after falsely accusing him of stealing her phone, was arrested in California today. It's unclear exactly what charges she will face. Ponsetto was caught on camera allegedly physically assaulting 14-year-old Kayon Harold Jr., a son of Grammy-winning jazz trumpeter Kayon Harold, on December 26. The incident occurred in the lobby of Arlo, a boutique hotel in Manhattan's Soho neighborhood. Guys, if you haven't seen the footage of this attack yet, it's so appalling. It's crazy that we even have to say allegedly because it's literally on camera her 
physically getting in an altercation with this boy before multiple times accusing him of having her phone and the father staying calm but videotaping this and he's like I I hate that I have to post this but he posted on his social media and it, it went viral and it's it's just horrifying to watch and what happened to Keon is the atrocity here, but I have to talk about the atrocity that is Mia's interview with Gail King. And it just so happened that Mia had this interview with Gail the day before she was arrested in California. And that was only after New York detectives flew to California to interview her. And then she was actually extradited to New York City. So they are taking this very seriously, like rightfully so. And and it actually goes to show the power of social media because if his father hadn't posted this, this girl would probably be living her life at Alfred Coffee. And she, in the interview, describes herself as a 22-year-old girl. She says she's a very sweet girl. She doesn't give any direct answers to Gail's questions. And she is wearing a hat that says daddy on it and a crop top with like a little jacket over it. And I guarantee she wanted Alex Cooper, who's the coast of call her daddy to see this interview and make her co-host or something. I think that was her level of delusion and thinking that this was a right apparel choice. And you can just see on Gail's face that she is appalled that she doesn't have time for this girl's shit. And the best part of the interview and the craziest is when Gail just straight up says to her you're 22 years old but you are old enough to know better and then Mia just cuts Gail off and goes all right Gail and does that hand motion that I wish I was on a video right now where you just kind of like snap in someone's face and like close your hand and bring it back it's so dismissive and rude it's one of those things if someone did to you in real life it, you wouldn't want to speak to them again. And you're, you're, you're saying, look, I'm 22 years old. You're 22 years old, but you are old enough to know better. So I will say you're 22. You're I, right, get I get it. it. Enough. The hotel no, did no, have no, my no. phone. The hotel did end up having my phone. I did get my belongings returned. And it's at this point in the video where her attorney, who's sitting next to her on camera, you see her silently whispering while trying not to move her lips. But you hear it. The mic picks up. She's going, stop, stop. The hotel did have my phone. I mean, this attorney showing her face, I would have hid without a doubt. I would not be seen on camera with this girl. And then I found an interview that her attorney gave with the Daily Beast. Her name's Sharon Gatton, G-H-A-T-A-N. She says, the hat definitely wasn't chosen by me. My office gave her advice on what to wear. We asked her to wear professional attire. When she came to the interview, I told her the baseball hat wouldn't be something we could use in the interview. One, because of the lighting. Two, because of the logo. She was very defiant and insistent that she wear it. She said it's her story. It's her hat. And she wants to wear it. She's a very challenging client. <laughs> I'm sorry. In what world is a daddy hat your story? Like that you had daddy issues? Girl, there's other ways of putting that out there. And everyone deserves a defense, but there would not be enough money in the world for me to take this girl on as a client. And her attorney at one point in the interview does say, I'm, as, I'm uncertain as to how I'm going to proceed. I'm uncertain if I can proceed forward with a client who is unwilling and unaccepting of the legal advice I'm giving her. Girl, if you haven't already, I hope you fire her as a client. You move on. You forget it ever happened and that you ever took her on as a client. And is it just me, though, or is Daily Beast sort of an interesting choice for her to be giving an interview to the attorney? I mean, maybe I'm wrong in that. Maybe I'm judging too harshly. 
But all right, guys, that's all I got for this week. I just wanted to do two articles because I couldn't find anything that I was really speaking to me this week beyond two articles. So let's get into our legit shit of this week. We're on episode 72, baby. And this week we got at LWB Designs on Instagram. My friend Megan for my birthday got me the cutest bracelet. It's little gold beads that was like custom made and it spells out kind of cute. I'm going to put it on my kind of cute Instagram and I will link the Etsy store in the show notes as usual. And just check it out. She has so much jewelry on her Etsy site. And the fact that you can fully customize this and make it really personal for someone I love and I wanted to share a small business this week. Thank you guys for listening and I will see you next week. Bye.